are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, as you turn there, another eight cards came in this morning, and I believe there'll probably be more than that. I know seven more came in our class alone. And for the President's Club, today's our close of that day. If you want to get your part, part of that, we'll let you do that. Orchestra, thank you for playing down there. This tent over here is perfect. That sun is probably a little bit frustrating to you, but uh, it's cooling down. It'd be great. It'd be wonderful. Parking lots failed tonight. Spanish ministry full steam ahead. The other property and things are looking great. It's wonderful, wonderful to have you in the cars here. Sunday, we'll, we'll monitor in the back of these back tents back here. Thank you for being there. We'll monitor the weather, but I heard it's uh, 77 or 78 here today. Next Sunday, it's supposed to be 63. I heard also 61. But I believe we'll have Easter regardless what the weather is. And we'll have outside seating here. We'll have the parking lot filled, ready to go. And it's going to be a great day. Help us if you will. Today was a trial run getting back into the shuttle parking lot. We began that ministry about 40-some 40, 40 years ago. And uh, we've been using it, but now today is quite a bit more. And I need you to help us with this next Sunday. I saw a dear lady get on the shuttle bus tonight with her little kids. I said, please. I said, able-bodied men. Ladies, you can park here and uh, it, whatever. Senior saints, if you need to park here, understand that. Park out front around here. But uh, let's be sure to uh, use it next Sunday morning. We'll not use it Wednesday night. Sunday morning, Sunday night, next week. And uh, I hope the shuttle will be used by all of us. Tonight as you leave, you will not be picked up at the bus stop. The security thinks it'd be better if you were picked up at the back gazebo that's over in this direction. So stand on that side, and the shuttle will pick you up and it'll take you right back to that parking lot. We've got several. I don't know the names of all the drivers, but um, I, I do know I was on a bus with Brother Kumar tonight, and he has been driving that shuttle about 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the afternoon for 15 years now. And I appreciate the many men that just volunteered to help us with that. That is wonderful. Brother Reamers, you're here tonight from Connecticut. Brother Andrew Reamers' dad, and you're a wonderful man. We appreciate you being here, and we love your kids that are serving the Lord here. I uh, wanted to finish this next week, but I thought I'd dedicate more of our Sunday, next Sunday, to Easter. And I had planned for three messages here from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Learning the joy of grace giving. Our church is an amazing place. But it's an amazing place because the church is founded upon giving. Giving is the hallmark of the Christian faith. We have a 10-point plan of attack for our Sunday school. For 40 years it's been published. One is salvation, to make sure that every person in our classes are saved. Salvation. And then it's submission to believers' baptism. And God bless you. Had the joy of baptizing you this morning. What a testimony of God's grace. And so salvation, submission. 
And then thirdly is the sanctuary, the house of God. And number four, ahead of soul winning, ahead of anything, is stewardship. Because if you don't get stewardship right, you'll not get your Bible reading right. You'll not get faithfulness to the things of Christ right. Where you plant your treasure, your heart will be also. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive the book of Acts. That is not found in the Gospels, but it said that as our Lord has taught us. So he must have taught them it's good to give. Our, our Christian faith is founded on the fact that for God so loved the world that he, everything God created gives. The stars give. The moon gives. The sun gives. Uh, the trees give. The, 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 the fields give. Uh, the hills give that water that comes down to the, uh, the rivers and that, that uh, satisfies God's people. Everything God creates is giving. And when God creates you, he created you with a purpose to give. Give of your best to the master. Tonight as we continue on grace giving, I want to take a little bit, I know these more like Bible studies, but I want you to take chapter number 9 and by way of introduction, I want to remind you of verses 1 through 5. Let's use that for an introduction. Again, it's the churches of Macedonia, these young churches that were 8 to 10 years of age. They learned immediately to give, and they gave to these churches that were in great need, particularly the church at Jerusalem, a large church, a founded church, a church that had been around for decades, and yet these people learned to give to those because they saw a need. We ought to look all around us, find someone in need, help somebody today, help people this week, help people you know, help people you don't know. You see a dear elderly woman or man struggling with their groceries to get them in the car and you're nearby, help them, help them. You see someone going across the street that might need help, help them. You see a neighbor that's shut in, there's such a thing as making a meal for that person and taking it to their house. I want you to know that God has created a, a vacuum in our heart until we fill it with helping the needs of others that will never be fulfilled. We need to do that. And so here's the churches at Macedonia, and they're helping these older church, this older church, and we found out that the church at Corinth had made a commitment a year ago. Now Paul says, I'm sending Titus to check on how you're doing. I don't want to be embarrassed. He's going to deal with that tonight. And grace giving. I want to speak to us tonight on how to give. And the Bible says, as touching the ministry to the saints. It is superfluous. Now, what does that simply mean? Well, it's abundance. It's more than enough. You don't need any more training on this, he said. It's superfluous for me to write unto you. I don't have to teach this again. You know about these things. But he said, he's like a Baptist preacher. You don't need me to say any more, but I will say some more. It's sort of like a preacher says, finally, in closing, ladies, that means absolutely nothing. Man, don't put your shoes on yet. In, in closing, and then it keeps going on and on. Paul does that. He must be a Baptist. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast. You might want to this week, if you're reading 1 Corinthians, look at all the times that Paul says boast or boasting. It's a very powerful word that's used often. He goes, I boast of you to them of Macedonia. Paul is saying, hey, Corinth, here in this young, this young church, 
I'm writing to you, Corinth, but I talk about you everywhere I go. You're, you're amazing people. You're a giving people. And so he says, I boast of you. Uh, and he says, um, uh, verse number um, uh, verse number two, uh, of them in Macedonia and Achaia already a year ago. Your zeal had provoked very many. Remember a year ago you said you're going to do something? Mark, what in the world are you doing in that tent tonight? Shame on you. You belong in that tent over there. Uh, you're trying to confuse me, aren't you? Uh, was it full over there? All right, you can still be a, a member of our church. Have to give a few more dollars, but that'll be okay. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to get used to where your folks are sitting. Mark always sits over there. I know he puts his head against that window right there on that tent, and his mouth wide open, his eyes shut, he shut, they're taking it in. God bless you, Mark. You're a faithful man. All right, I'll let you go on that. And the Bible says, your zeal had provoked very many. Yet I have sent brethren. What? <laughs> Though yo, you said you're going to do this a year ago, yet I sent brethren, lest our boasting of you should be vain in this behalf that, as I said, it may be ready. That Baptist preacher saying, I, I've talked about you, I've talked about you, I've talked about you. The last year I've been talking about you. But just to make sure when we get there, we're not embarrassed, I'm going to send Titus. He's going to check up to make sure you're coming through. The Bible says, lest happily, verse number three, and have set brethren of our boasting, you should be in vain on this behalf, as I have said, that be ready, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me. We've got some people coming. They find you unprepared. Uh, we say not ye should be ashamed. The same confident boasting. He said, I don't want you folks being embarrassed. I want you to know that I'm I'm bringing people with me. We're flying in. And we're going to be landing at the international airport. And we're coming to Corinth. And we're going to check up on you. And we're looking forward to get this gift that you promised a year ago. You talk about pressure. I'll tell you what, I'd like to be a preacher in that era. Verse number five. Wherefore, or therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. Whereof ye have noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not covetousness. He said, I'm just a little bit worried that you forgot about the extreme amount of money, the bounty you're going to give, and I'm a little bit worried you may have taken that for your own covetousness. And so I want to just send some people ahead to get you ready. God's word is so powerful. He begins to our text tonight, verses 6 through 15. Because I've read all this other scripture, I won't read this tonight. I was going to, but we'll speak on this tonight. How to give. How to give. And yes, it is a money text, but apply it in everything. Dear ladies, how are you going to give to that husband of yours this week? Sir, how are you going to give to your wife this week? Not just money. How are you going to give to her? How are you going to give to your children? How are you going to give to your parents? How are you going to give to one another? What, what deeds of kindness are we going to give this week? Let's do it bountifully. Let's do it cheerfully. What needs are we going to meet in some people that we hear they have some financial needs? 
Our Father, tonight as we look into this great text of grace giving, it's undeserved. But I pray that we remind our church this is a way of life for our church. Not simply money, but Lord, as we give encouragement and we give kindness and we give respect and we give prayer. And yes, we give money to help people with their needs. I pray that tonight we leave here determined to take chapter 8 and 9 and examine it personally this week as we've heard now for three messages, and that we might apply this in our life and our daily living. God, help us tonight to notice how to give. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look at verse 6. For I say that he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, when he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. How do we give? We give bountifully. We give overflowing Bountifully means you don't spare it. You don't save it. You don't, you don't, uh, uh, you're, you're very, the word is very generous. I'm, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed how that just last Sunday and this Sunday, so many people that, that said, I, I want to be part of the college. I want to give. Brother Fenero was making an announcement Wednesday night during church about the student scholarship and how we help in the elementary, junior high, and high school. And if you only knew some of the conditions of people, some of the sad situations that we're trying to help, we've done it all these years. And they said, we need $29,000. And there was a man that was at work, one of our good members. And, and he, he texted in that night and he said, Brother Fanero, count my wife in on $1,000. We'll be giving $1,000 to that student. You know what that is? That's, that's being very generous. I don't want this to be a stingy church. I don't want this to be a church that's covetous. Do you know what we can do with $1,000 around here? Yes, we can give it to a student scholarship. We've got young men in the ministry tonight that went through that school and young ladies that went through that school because the church, they assisted and helped those that had the great, great need. You say, well, I wish you'd helped me. You've missed it. For it is more blessed to than to and God's word says, I want you to give bountifully. Don't spare. In other words, I want you to be liberal in giving your time, giving your treasure, giving your talent. Don't be stingy. Look for opportunities. Look everywhere for opportunities. Look for ways that you can care for the needs of others. The illustration is a farmer. A farmer sows seed. I can remember the man. I heard him preach 47 years ago. I don't think the theology was necessarily right, but uh, he preached a powerful message. And the powerful message, he wrote the song, The King is Coming. And we say it's a wonderful song. It's a great song. But I'll never forget, he said, you take a, a kernel of corn and you put it in the ground. And he said, it grows on a stock, grows to be a stock, and on the stock is generally three ears of corn. And you take off those three ears from that one kernel and he shredded one and he said, if you'll count the rows all the way around and then go all the way up. And he told how many seeds are in each cob of corn. And he says, what the man sows, he reaps. And I, I was talking about this prosperity method, you know, where you sow $100, you're going to expect $100. I don't believe that. You might sow $100, get nothing back, but the joy of giving. We don't give so we get. That's selfish giving. 
But I do know this. He gives the illustration. And Mr. Treber and I have been married all these many years. And I can tell you this, that it is such a joy in our life to be able to give. And we give not with the hopes of necessarily getting something back. We give because that's a way of life. It's wonderful. Give bountifully. I, uh, I started tithing 56 years ago. I had a job, but I was making money 56 years. As far as I know, I pondered this this afternoon in my study. I pondered again. Is this a truthful statement? I believe it is 100% truthful. To my knowledge, in 56 years, I've never allowed anything to pass through my hand as income without giving back to God, first of all. It's my responsibility to tithe. I'm not going to be stingy with God. I'm not going to be dishonest with God. I'm not going to be a liar with God. God's word says upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him store with God's prosper him. And as far as I know, and I have all the giving records for all those years, from 1971, I don't have prior to that, those 56 years, when I started beforehand, I looked at some of those salaries I looked at one year, the salary was $6,000. Well, that's not a lot of money. But I tell you what, I tithe every single dime. You say, well, it's not hard to tithe off $6,000. Oh, yes, it is. When Miss Treber and I came here, she was working full-time at the church, $25 a week here. And I was working, and we had no health insurance and no gasoline and no anything. We just, we got together after a year's time. God, this church was so good, we gave us $8,600. You said, that's not a lot. Well, our rent was only 450 but 450 times 12, figure out what it is. We had people in this church, God knows this is true. I think of Brother Brownlee and his wife, Chairman Vardikas, she's with the Lord and his wife as well. I think of Brother Bill Stoppy and his wife. They're both with the Lord. And I think of how many times on Sunday they'd say, we want to take you. We were just young kids. We want to take you to lunch. I rejoiced every time because they always paid. They knew they were going to pay. They wanted to be a blessing. I think of that story I've told you so many times when we were single, when we just got married 48 years ago. And Brother John Calvin, I ran across the book he gave me in my study uh, this past, uh, past month. It's 1971, he gave it to me. And, and John, John did not know that morning my wife went to the grocery store to work. And I, I went to the church working for her dad. He did not know we didn't have breakfast that day. And he did not know we had, did not have lunch that day. And he did not know we didn't have dinner that night. But that night at the missions conference afterwards, he said, Brother Jack, you miss Cindy and I, it's where you talk. Let's go and get a big old juicy steak. I didn't hesitate. I said, John, I'm ready to go. John paid. John's with the Lord. The next night, we went to the meeting. We had no breakfast, no lunch, no dinner. We were learning about faith promise and how this text where a year ago you made some promises. They were trying to convince us and persuade us, and I'm thankful for it, to give to God and make a commitment. What are you going to give on missions? I remember John came up to me and said, Brother Jack, it's going to get a big steak. I said, John, we went last night. He goes, it was great. Let's do it again. I said, count us in. We're going. He paid again. Little did he know that God was working on our hearts about being a giving couple to the cause of Christ. I don't believe we've ever missed ever, ever, ever in 52 weeks times 
those many years ago, 48 years ago, ever missing a week, giving to worldwide missions. I want to say that's nothing about us. It's more blessed to be involved. And God's word says, I want you to give, want you to give bountifully. George Truitt was an amazing Baptist preacher. He was born in 1867. He died in 1944. George Truitt was preaching out of his church in Dallas. He was preaching in a little little small church, country church. That country church was raising money. As they were raising money, they needed $6,500, this is years ago, to finish, to build their building, their church house. The church raised about $2,500 and it stopped. You'd have to know that many years ago, over 100 years ago, that was a lot of money. And it just stopped. And a little lady in the service as they were trying to raise that money and nothing came in that night. It was a poor area. And a little lady, older lady, she looked at her husband and said, Charlie, we just paid off our cottage. Charlie, somebody offered us $3,500 for our cottage. They were senior saints. She said, Charlie, what would be wrong with us giving our cottage to the Lord because his house is more important than our house. And that night, Charlie said to the preacher, preacher, we've just been offered $3,500 for our cottage. We're giving it to build the church. You know, that night after that testimony, and they did not want it to be so that they were lauded, that night after that, those people began to break loose and sacrifice and give and they built that building and went way beyond because one person said, we want to give bountifully. We want to give generously. I wonder, even financially, have we been taken from God? Young people, the very youngest one here tonight, let's learn the joy of giving to God and give bountifully, very generously. I see in that text, not only are we have the opportunity to give bountifully, we have the opportunity to give sparingly. I say he that soweth sparingly. Sparingly, yes, it does mean little. Bountiful is the opposite, it's generous. But sparingly means with an attitude. I don't want to do this. I, I tell you, this church is always ripping me off. There's always something to give to around here. That's what God says. Don't give sparingly, uh, Ananias and Sapphira. I don't want to give it all. I want to keep back for myself and hold back part of the price. There's a third way. Verse number seven. The Bible says we can give sparingly, we can give bountifully, we can give purposely. Every man as he purposeth. In his heart. I love that word purpose. It means with a destination in view. With a destination in view. 
You know, when we get to heaven, an old preacher said here probably 40-some years ago, he said, when you get to heaven, you're going to thank God that you are in a church that have opportunities for you to invest. And you're not going to say, I wish Brother Chief would have had less. You're going to say, I wish he would have had more so he could send it on ahead. Lay not up for yourself treasure on earth. Lay it up in heaven. Friend, don't drive your stakes too deep. We're moving in the morning. We're almost out of here. Can't we see the day approaching? You say, well, why would we build a building if he's coming to lay up treasures in heaven? It sends a message. There's still a place that's preaching the word of God. There's a message being sent tonight around the globe from that parking lot, from this parking lot, around the edge there, on those in this tent and that tent and that tent and that tent and that tent and one, two, three more tents in these chairs. What's the message? That God is still in business in Santa Clara, California. We give purposely. We give a deed of kindness with a destination in view. What's the destination? To relieve some need in the life of another person. You go to the hospital and those days I long for the I'm back. I miss going to the hospital to see people. But you go to the hospital and someone says, you know, I'm having surgery on my knee. That is not an invitation for you to talk about you. Oh, I've had knee surgeries. I want to tell you what kind of you have. Oh, I've had that one. I'll tell you what I tell you all about. It. You don't talk about you. The destination, when you get purposely, the destination is how I can help this person right here and relieve the pain and suffering that they might be going through. When you relieve the pressure, you have reached your destination. When you carry another man's burden, another lady's burden, another child's burden, a teenage burden, the goal is that you might bring relief to that teenager, to that person, and not talk about how important you are, but rather that God can meet every need. My Bible says in verse 7, you give purposely, you purpose in your heart, Every gift that we give needs to come from the heart. Why do we give to widows? It should be because the heart compels us to give. Why do we give to the fatherless and run the buses? Well, these boys and girls, because the heart is promoting it. Let's do this. Our purpose is to bring them to the house of God and to see them get saved. The purpose is to see them grow in grace. The per that sweet bus girl that perished in that car accident left five children yes, just two days ago. That girl's in heaven today. Why? Because somebody in this church 30-some years ago drove a bus. Someone bought the bus. Someone captained the bus. Someone fixed the bus. Someone went out door knocking and visited and door to door and talked to the grandmother. Hey, I want to tell you something. The purpose, the destiny was that that girl this week has a destiny called heaven. I praise God for it. You know the story so often you go visiting. I've told you before, I go to the jail out over here. Can't go now. They don't let me. I've walked in there to Juvia Hall or to the, uh, the Elmwood Jail out here. And so many young men, 18 to 25 out there. I go there to see them. And I walk in and there's a big room and they're sitting at tables and a grandmother can come see or a mother can come see. I walked in last time I was there and several said, Pastor, 
I imagine at least a half a dozen said, hey, pastor, I never met him before. They said, I ride the bus. I should be here. I should not be here. I made, I made an awful decision. I'm here. But you're our pastor. You know what the purpose that day so many of those sweet mothers and grandmothers, when we went in, heard I was the pastor. They said, when you go in there, we talk to my grandson. I'd go in there and say, you know what's wrong with you kids? Shame on you in a place like this. What were you thinking? What are you, an idiot? Come on now, straighten up. They didn't need that. They needed someone to say, I am your pastor. And I love you so much. My heart aches for you. I have a sweet little girl and her family members are here and they know, I, I, the, the pastor, she got, I just prayed with her back here before she had to go to jail a few weeks ago. And she's doing real well. She wrote me this past week and she says, pastor got very discouraged here. I miss my little baby. I miss my little four-year-old boy so very much. He was in Sunday school, I think, today, if I'm not mistaken. She said, I miss him so much. He got so discouraged. But she said, in jail, I prayed, dear God, do something to encourage me. She said, I prayed that prayer, and they brought the mail. And Pastor, you wrote me a letter, and you sent me a book, and I want to thank you. You know, my goal with the destination of that letter was to help her. I could be in that same condition. As we give, whatever it is that we give, let's give bountifully. Let's not give sparingly. Let's give purposely and from the heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. The second is like unto the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The entire, uh, the, uh, the entire foundation of our life is loving God and loving our neighbor. Number four, how to give. Well, we can give bountifully or we can give sparingly. We can give purposely. We can give grudgingly. Every man in accordance with purpose of heart shall have give, not grudgingly. What is to give grudgingly? I regret I have to do this. Once in a while, it's only been a few times in my life, I've heard someone say, you know, I looked at my tithe record, what I've given. You know, I could have bought a really nice house with all this. I never look at it that way, and neither do you. I don't want to think that God is ripping me off because I get the great grace of giving back to God. It's undeserved. Don't ever start, start thinking about you, what you could have bought. You know what you could have had also? You could have had a lawsuit against you and lost everything you had. Uh, you know what else you could have had? You could have had a drunken life and killed yourself in an automobile accident. You know what else you could have had? It goes on and on and on. No, I tell you what, I love the fact that God allows us the joy to deposit in the work of God. You say, well, pastor, what if you quit on God? You're not giving to me, you're giving to God. No, you say, well, I went to church and the pastor's not there. The church is sold. They shut the door. It's no longer there. But I tell you what, all that investment was not here. It was set on up ahead to there. You don't give. You don't give grudgingly. I don't know. I guess I tried to count it. You computer people could figure this out. I thought someone, Psalm 119 
would be the longest chapter in the Bible and is the longest chapter, but it's not the longest words. There's more words in Numbers 7. Numbers 7 has over 2,000 words. And if you'll read Numbers 7 this week, it all deals with giving to God. It's a giving chapter. And the longest chapter in the Bible is number seven. It's all about giving. I've read this, read so much about giving. God wants us to give. Grudge giving. I hate to do this. The average American loses $75 a week, a year. $75 a year. But you know, I read not long ago, the average the average Christian gives less than $75 a year to church. We lose more than we give to God. Let me hasten and I'll be done. The fifth way we can give is out of necessity. So let him give, verse 7, not grudgingly, nor of necessity. It's painful to do this. It distresses me that I have to do this. Oh boy, another building project, another program. This is a pain to me. I don't want to come to church anymore because they're always after money. The necessity is the attitude, all right, I'll do it, but I sure don't want to do this. That's why this is a great church. I never get that spirit. I never hear that. Number six, I'm almost done. Verse number seven. Not grudgingly or necessity, for the Lord loveth the cheerful giver. If you have a scope or a reference Bible, they give you a note right there that that Greek word means hilarious. It's like one who acts like the clown at the circus. Woohoo! Yes! Praise the Lord! You know, Sister Miriam, your dad is watching at home. God bless him, he suffers so much. He was a great staff member in our college for years here, great Bible teacher in our church. I love him so much. Lives right around the corner from me. And I preached on this years ago in the old auditorium. And Miriam, I'll never forget when your dad that night, he was sitting toward the back of the auditorium. And the offering plate was coming because that morning I said, when you know you're looking, that offering plate's coming, you say, it's coming, yes, praise the Lord, woo. I just preached it on Sunday morning. You know, a preacher doesn't think you should do that. And here's your dad, very back row, very back of the auditorium, and had to slip out often. There he was at the back, and all of a sudden you heard, woo, yes, it's coming, yes. He's a nut. Brother Flint, you're watching. I'll never forget that great illustration. That's what it means to be cheerful. Oh, I'm so happy I get to do this. I'm so happy that I can help a widow. I'm so happy we can help some fatherless children. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that we can help some parent that is struggling with their kids in the Christian school. We have a benevolence fund here. I love it. I love it. I'm just so very grateful for it. And we're able to help people just through the benevolence fund that God's people give. We help so many widows at Christmas. You made Christmas so wonderful, so many widows in our church. You made Christmas so great for the shut-ins in our church. 
This year, because of COVID, it was different, but normally we always get a U-Haul truck and we load it with Christmas trees and we load it with decorations and we take it to bus homes and to families where we find out there is no Christmas tree and we take things there. It's so blessed to give. It makes happiness. Brother Fenner in the Christian school, you always have these big baskets of food that the kids bring in for Thanksgiving and we buy turkeys and we send them out by the dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens to homes to help people. I'll tell you what, that'll make you happy right there. It's happy to give. You know, I don't know how you are, but I know you're not supposed to like gifts. I love gifts. I love it. I just, I love it. I know there's something's wrong, but I, I, I just, when, when it's my birthday, I get fired up and I go through this routine. Oh, you shouldn't have. But in my heart, I said, I'm lying on my birthday. Yes, you should have. I love the gift. Keep them coming. But you know, when it's Christmas, my wife and I love Christmas. Once again, this year, our house won the church trophy for having the best, best Christmas decorations on the outside of our house. We beat Chris Kissel so bad this year. It was, I really felt bad for the man, and I felt bad for, we, we drove around. Of course, we were the judges, but I'm sick and tired of losing every year. And, um, and but, but we didn't award anybody this year. But I tell you one of the things I love about Christmas is watching people open those gifts. I love watching kids open gifts. You know, you work at it, you work at it, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm telling you, if there's ever a time we learn it's more blessed to give, isn't it wonderful when a little child says, Papa, thank you so much. Nana, thank you so much. Grandma, Grandpa, thank you so much. Auntie, Uncle, thank you so much. When a pastor says to the church member, thank you so much, by the way, mark it down, Christmas is coming, and we love gifts, we know that. And the truth is, I never need anything else from this church. You've gone way beyond. Strike that, Lord. No, you've gone way, way beyond. Don't need anything else. I'll talk about it. It's more cheerful to give than to receive. Our Lord gave his life for us, and he said, who for the joy that was set before him. He did this cheerfully for you and for me. I close tonight. Chapter 9, verse 13. Whilst the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution. For your liberal distribution, we can give liberally. Tonight, we can give bountifully or sparingly or purposefully or grudgingly or necessity or cheerfully. We could also give liberally. Don't you want to do more? I read the account of William Booth. Of course, the Salvation Army has changed so much through the years, we know that. But he died at age 83. They said when General Booth died, and he had a passion just to win souls to Christ, his wife was equally in this thing. She'd go get those urchins on the street. She'd get those dirty little boys and girls. She'd get drunks on the street. She'd call those drunks in, and you come into the mission, and you hear the message of salvation. She was quite a lady. William Booth now dies, 
and they opened his will, and they found out the only possession he had left on planet Earth was a little piece of land, and that little piece of land was valued at $1,200. He lived and he died with nothing left. I've known two wealthy, wealthy people. I'm not saying, you know, it's amazing how we know what everybody else should do with their wealth. And their goal, though they had made millions and millions and millions, and it looks like both of them are going to reach this goal real soon. Because one is dying. His goal, he told me years ago, when I die, I don't want to have anything left. I want to have given it all away for the cause of Christ. I know another man that God blessed so very much. And he became very wealthy. But his goal, and he sat his kids down and married kids and said, we can leave you houses and lands, but you all have a nice house. And kids, your mother and I would like to give all of our money away with your permission. All those married kids were good kids, loved the Lord, loved their mom and dad. And said, we don't want your money, Mom and Dad. If you want to invest it in the Lord's work, invest it now. We'll be happy with that. Why are we amassing so much down here? Well, there's a whole world that needs the gospel. Hetty White, I talked about her before. She's such an amazing little story. Hetty was just a little girl. Her church was raising money for a new auditorium. That new auditorium eventually was built, 3,500 seats. Not only was that building built, but the ministry was built. A Bible college with 1,400 students. And one of the nation's leading hospitals were built from that church. That little girl, Hattie, was in Sunday school one day. They were trying to build a bigger building and some children came to Sunday school, sort of what we call today bus kids. And the teacher said, children, I'm so sorry. We have no more room for you in our church. We're trying to build a building, but you cannot come into this classroom today. There's no room for you. Hattie was so brokenhearted she started saving pennies. She knew what was going on in her life. Hattie was just a little girl, but she was so very, very sick. The day that Hattie died as a child, they took her little body, limp body, and they carried it out, put it in a casket. They went back into her room. They were taking the bedding off the bed and to remove the sheets and the pillows, they noticed right there a little sock of money. It was 57 pennies. And inside, Hattie had written this little note, money for the church building so that all children can come to church. The pastor took that, and from that literally raised millions of dollars in Philadelphia, you know the church is called Temple Baptist Church. It became a large church of thousands of people with a Bible college of 1,400 with Temple Baptist Hospital for that area of Philadelphia. 
but it all was established because Hattie, as a child, knowing she was dying, left 57 cents. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.